Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, Pathways. Now, I know that uh, last week I came out with a traditional bow around me, and I might have fooled some of you with my extensive knowledge when it comes to bows and arrows and archery, but you know what? I decided to come clean when it comes to my real mastery of the subject. Here's what I know about archery and bows and arrows. I, I'm a Nerf guy, right? I'm a Nerf guy, and so uh, that's, that's the extent of what I know when it comes to bows and arrows and archery. But today we're in part two of a series titled Arrows, and the subtitle is The Aim of Family. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back online because I laid out three foundational truths for us that I believe are extremely helpful from our core passage in Psalm 127. If you remember our definition, our definition of family is this. Family is God's design for us to experience his love and learn how to love. So let me read to you the core passage out of Psalm 127. The verses will be on the screen for you. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, laborers, they're just gonna work and labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children, verse three, are heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. All the hunters out there, this is the perfect Bible passage for you. Like arrows in the, in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So here's what the psalmist is saying. He is giving us this intense and active picture of what a family is like, that every family really is an archery range and, and every parent, every parent is an archer who can pick up and have his quiver, her quiver full of these arrows, one target, different arrows, and we as Children and as families and as parents get to shoot and aim at the target. Now, last week we talked about the target is not perfection. There are no perfect families, no perfect parents, no perfect kids. The target is not perfection. The target, the target is love. The target is love. And regardless of where you are at your season of life, at your stage in marriage or family, whether you're a grandparent or you're a university student, this series is so important for you. And there's relevancy and current application for every single person in the room and watching online. Why? Because listen, God, God planned every single day of your life. Before you took your first breath, God had everything laid out in his heart and his mind. Before you were conceived by your biological parents, God conceived you in his mind. He has a plan and a purpose and a will for your life. And regardless if your parents were good or bad or indifferent, God selected and used their DNA to create you. With all of your strengths and your weaknesses, God knew that you would be alive today and he wants you to be you. And that's important because as we get into today's content, I wanna give a message entitled, 
what's the target? What's the target? If the target's not perfection, the target is love. I wanna spell that out, build that out a little bit more because every target has several rings to it. Now, if you're not uh, parenting currently, you're part of a family and you know families can be really, really interesting, okay? It'd be interesting. And you're trying to figure all that out. But, but as individuals, as individuals, the, the rings of this target are applicable to you because these are five ways which we can grow. And all of us wanna grow as human beings. We all wanna grow spiritually. We all wanna grow intellectually. We wanna be better as individuals. And so today I wanna just give you a, a frame of reference, some clarity and a vision around this target. So five ways, five ways to grow as a family or as an individual. Are you ready? Here we go. The first one is that Parents care for their kids. Parents care for their kids. That's, that's the outer ring because that's the most basic thing we do as parents. You remember when your, your child falls and they scrape their knee, mom or dad comes or grandma or grandpa comes and picks them up and they show care and comfort. When your teenager gets sick, they still want mom, don't they? They still want mom. Mom, can you get me my favorite meal? Because they want care, they want comfort. When your kids go off to the military or full-time work or to college and Something doesn't go right. They text or reach out to mom and dad and we show care. Or when your baby, when your baby drops their pacifier, you pick it up and you sanitize it and you wipe it off and you put it under hot water and then you wipe it off and then you give it to that child. Can we just admit that's the first kid, right? Second kid, you pick it up and you go like this. If it's really dirty, if it's really dirty and then you just stick it in their mouth, right? <laughs> By the third kid, you don't even care about pacifiers anymore. You're like, oh, get it from your brother, right? Uh, <laughs> my mom used to say, oh, that's clean dirt. That's not gonna hurt you. I said, oh, okay, clean dirt. I never, I'm like, ooh, that, that's pretty neat. <laughs> now, there are two ways that we care for our kids as parents. The first is this, we provide for them. What do we provide? We provide the basics, food, water, shelter, we provide the basics. And that gives our kids a sense of stability because right away they understand that mom and dad, they're gonna take care of me. They're gonna provide for me. The second way in which we care for our kids, we care for them by providing protection, protection. Think of a raincoat, for example. In fact, some of you volunteer in our kids' ministry and our student ministry. When families are in disarray, you as a volunteer, you're providing protection like a raincoat. Grandparents, parents, all kinds of different family uh, systems and way in which we function as families. We are primarily raincoats when it comes to caring for our kids. Uh, listen to what Jesus said about families, about people, about individuals. He said this in uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 45. It says that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What's that verse talking about? Well, that verse simply means and says this, no matter if you're a good person or a bad person, whether you serve God or don't serve God, at the end of the day, good things and bad things happen to good people and bad people. It's just the way it is. It's a reality of life. And Jesus says this, 
you're gonna go through storms in life. You can count on that. It just depends what your foundation is. Is it built on the rock or is it built on sand? And if you build it upon the rock as families, as parents, you're providing protection so that when the winds and the storms and, and the lightning and the rain beats against your house, you can protect your kids. Not just protecting your kids, but you protect one another as a family unit. Because you're going to go through storms, emotional storms. You're going to go through financial storms, maybe a new job or you're transplanting your family. You're going to go through uh, health storms, physical illness, through relational conflict. You're going to go through relational storms as a family. Storms happen. And we as parents are called to be a raincoat and to care, to care for our kids, to protect them. You know, last week, if uh, you weren't here, we, uh, we had targets all around the auditorium and we had uh, over 10 pages of prayer requests submitted by families. Some were uh, quite humorous and touching as little kids uh, were putting up their prayer requests. Some were just heartbreaking and agonizing. Truthfully, it was very painful to read through those pages. And Tuesday night at our elders meeting, uh, we printed all the pages off and each elder, we read through them and we devoted a time of prayer for the needs of you, your family, you individually. And as an example of this idea of showing care and protection, I had one teenager, I think it was a teenager, seems like a middle schooler or something, um, early teens, uh, posted this prayer request and it really kind of spoke to me as I was putting this point together in the message because the prayer request said, I need prayer to let go of bad music. And I thought to myself, yep, that teenager does need some prayer to let go of some bad music. But you know what else that teenager needs? That teenager needs a parent or parents who are gonna care and say, hey, what are you listening to? Hey, what are you watching? There's so much of what our kids are viewing and watching and devices in their hands. If we're not careful as parents to show them care, the enemy can root in their heads and hearts and send them messages that will pull them away from the heart of God. Parents, it is good to have rules. It is good to, to have standards. It's okay. And I know because our girls said to us, you're some of the strictest parents. And we would say, Good. Yeah, but all my other friends, you're going to hear that. But later on down the road, they'll thank you because kids need protection. Listen, to protect them is not to punish them, parents. To protect them is the way our Heavenly Father protects us. The, 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 the Ten Commandments are not to punish us, but to set parameters so that we can live under the blessing and the protection and the favor of God. So, so we need to protect our kids. Check in, what are you listening to? There's some stuff that shouldn't be in the queue on your streaming uh, 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 platforms. Like you just, we gotta protect, we gotta protect, we gotta protect our kids. Now, if you're not raising kids right now, you're of a different generation or you're not married or hoping, listen, you need to care for yourself. If you wanna grow, if you wanna be healthy as an individual, it's called self-care. You need proper rest, proper eating diet, pr proper sleep. You, you, you need to care for yourself. And you also need to protect yourself. Just because you're an adult doesn't mean that the enemy isn't coming after you with some harmful devices and things in your own life. Amen? So protect yourselves. All right. The, the second ring, the second ring to 
uh, this growth for families is this. Awesome families have fun. Awesome, awesome family. Everybody say fun. Say it like you want to have some fun. Yeah, it's fun. Everybody smile at me. Say we want to have some fun. Fun. I got teenagers yelling. Hey, listen, parents, your family is not a boot camp. It's not a business. You're not a drill sergeant. It's not a lab experiment. You're not trying to create the perfect kids because there's no perfect kids. And guess what? You're not perfect. We're going to have some fun in families. You, the fun factor has to be high. You know why? Because if it's not fun, your family will be boring. Now, I know that many of us would uh, quickly know the idea that God speaks about work when it comes to Scripture. That we need to work and we need to work hard and we need to be diligent. Some of you could go to a verse and say, you know, if you're lazy, you shouldn't even eat. I know that's in the Bible. Like if a person doesn't provide for their family, they're like an unbeliever. They're, they're just not even a part of the faith. I, I know that. But, but most people don't know that God talks about play and fun and enjoyment. In fact, uh, Solomon, the, the wisest person in scripture outside of Jesus Christ, he wrote these words. He says, so I commend the enjoyment of life. Circle that, the enjoyment of life. Because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and to be glad. You know, as we were raising our girls, uh, Laura and I really committed to a couple things. One was we always wanted our girls to know that they were going to be loved by mom and dad no matter what. I used to say to the girls, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make me love you any more or any less. We just love you because God has given you to us and you're a gift and we just love you. So we wanted our girls to know that. And then we wanted to know them that we're going to have fun. And we didn't have elaborate, expensive fun all the time. Sometimes we had really cool vacations, but sometimes they were just spontaneous moments where we would have fun together. One morning, I woke up when we lived in Orlando, Florida, and I got a piece of paper out. I had this idea that hit me, and I wrote on one side of the paper 100%. And then on the other side of the paper, I wrote fun day. And I, I woke up the girls, they came, they got up, and I said, girls, what's 100% mean? And they were like, oh, that's like the best score possible. And I was like, yep. And I flipped over the page and I said, fun day. And they're like, we're gonna have 100% fun today. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> and I said, well, dad, how are we gonna do that? Little Ella, she was so cute. She, oh, man, she how are we going to do that, Dad? And Grace, her, her mind was already, her wheels were already gone. And I said, girls, I want you to put down on this piece of paper all the fun that we're going to have today, and that's what we're going to do. And so they, yeah, some of you are like, ooh. And so, so they went and they started writing stuff down, donuts. And I'm like, ooh, I like that. That's fun, yeah. Uh, playground. Yeah. And they had all these things listed out. We're going to do this and Chick-fil-A. Okay. And I'm thinking, oh boy. And then, um, and they said, feeding ducks. We want to go feed ducks. And so we went downtown to Orlando and in the middle of Orlando is Lake Eola. And we started feeding ducks and, 
and uh, Grace was having fun, and Ella was, she was really close to the edge, and I kept saying, Ella, Ella, you're too close to the edge, Ella, you're too close to the edge, Ella, Ella, you're too close to the edge. Well, Ella fell into Lake Eola that day, and um, uh, I scooped her up, Grace was laughing, Ella was crying, I was trying not to laugh, and I thought, Oh, gee, I said, this poor little one. So we, uh, we, we got her in the car, we took her home, she changed, and we continued on with a 100% fun day. Now, I must admit to you that for Ella, it was probably like 90 or 95% fun day. But for Grace and I, it was 100%. We, we, we had a lot of fun together. My, my point is this, is that scripture says as families, we need to have fun together. We need to laugh together. That's really important for our kids to see us having fun as a family unit. In fact, uh, later on in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, this is what uh, Solomon says. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy, how many of them? All of them. Why? Because you're not guaranteed next year. You're not even guaranteed next month or tomorrow or this evening. You could drop dead leaving the doors of our church. That's why Solomon says, you gotta enjoy all of them. Don't get into the mindset. Well, you know, I'll enjoy it, you know, when I retire. I'll enjoy it. Listen, enjoy. Friends, God doesn't call us merely to endure life. He calls us to enjoy life. And if you're too busy to enjoy life, you're just too busy. You're just too busy. You gotta slow down. That's why God gives Sabbath. God gives times and vacation and moments where we just get to be with family and enjoy God and enjoy one another. And listen, dads, husbands, wives, we need to have fun with our spouses. I haven't always been perfect at this with Laura. We, you know, we we haven't always done that well. But you know, when we do that well, our girls have seen that and that's important because one of the most important gifts that you can give your children are a couple who love and have fun together. You are the primary way in which kids learn about relationships and especially a love relationship between a husband and a wife. And if you're going through a divorce, if there's something that's happening in your family, I want you to know that you're loved by God. I want you to know that God will walk with you through this and you don't have to sacrifice this content because of your current experience. God can do miracles. God can be with you, he can strengthen you, and he can make up the difference for the dysfunction in your own family. He has in mind, he has in mind, he has in mind, okay? All right, so the third thing uh, that, that healthy families do, healthy families, healthy families encourage growth. Healthy families encourage growth. Parents, not just our kids growing, but we as parents growing together, uh, individually. Mom grows, we encourage mom to grow. Son grows, we encourage son to grow. Uh, dad grows, we encourage dad to grow. Encourage daughter to grow. We encourage, it's a mindset of our families that we're just going to encourage growth together. We, we want each other to grow. We come around each other because there's growth that happens in healthy families. Average families, they kind of grow a little bit or maybe somebody's growing a lot, but the other one, they just check out. Healthy families, everybody is growing, learning new things, thinking through new ideas, having some really good conversations together. This is modeled to us by Jesus. In fact, 
the gospel writer Luke, he says this about Jesus when he was 12 years old. Here's the verse, put it on the screen for you. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. There are four ways that Jesus grew. You can just pull out four things when it comes to this verse. He grew in wisdom, that's intellectual growth. He grew in stature, that's physical growth. He grew in favor with God, that's spiritual growth. And he grew in favor with man, that's social growth. All of these ways are supposed to be ways in which we grow as individuals or as family units. So let me ask you, are you growing intellectually? Are you growing physically? Are you growing when it comes to your spiritual walk with God? And are you growing with the favor of people around you? This is the way in which we were designed to grow. Now, in families, your kids might have learned some lessons, some really important lessons that, that you taught them or that they picked up just in the environment in which they were raised. There's a uh, a little boy, he's gonna share about 20 lessons that I think some of your kids and some of us as adults can relate to when it comes to learning things and growing in the context of families. Watch this. 20 things we should say more often. Number 20, thank you. And not just on Thanksgiving, every day. Number 19, excuse me. Number 18, here's a surprise corn dog that I bought you because you're my friend. There'll be more corn dogs, more happy people. This is a good idea. Corn dog for you, corn dog for you, corn dog for you. Number 17, I'm sorry. Number 16, I forgive you. Number 15, you can do it! But don't say it if it's something they can't do. Number 14, another thing that we should say more often. I have barbecue sauce in my shirt too. Before you say something about the barbecue sauce on somebody else's shirt, take a look at the barbecue sauce on your own shirt. Number 13, please. Number 12, everything is going to be okay. Number 11, oh, you got me a corn dog too? You shouldn't have, buddy. Number 10, I don't know. I know a lot of people who need to say that. My sister. <laughs> Number nine. You're so awesome, I named my dog after you. Wait, wait, wait. That could hurt someone's feelings. I mean, boat. I named my boat after you. Wait, who even have a boat? You're so awesome, I legally changed my name to yours. Wait, that's super creepy. And, and just tell people they're awesome and mean it. Number eight. Hello, person that I never met before. Here's a high five. Number seven. My sports team is not always the best sports team. It takes a big man to say that. Number six. Nothing. Sometimes that's the best thing you can say. Number five. <laughs> Doesn't mean anything, but it's just really funny. <laughs> Number four. I disagree with you, but I still like you as a person who is a human being and I'll treat you like that because if I didn't, it would make everything bad and that's what lots of people do and it's lame. Whew, I need a water break, y'all. It's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to be mean. Number three, sometimes you just gotta scream. <laughs> Number two, life is tough, but so are you. Sometimes we all need to be reminded to keep going. Number one, something nice, anything. If you can't think of anything nice to say, you're not thinking hard enough.
<laughs> Wasn't that great? Uh, kid president giving us some sage advice right there. That was great. Now, there are a lot of lessons that we learn in our families, right? We learn a lot of lessons. And the reason that we learn lessons in our family is because God designed certain lessons to be we learn in the context of family. In fact, most of our problems as adults is that we didn't learn the lessons that we should have learned in our family because in the context of family, we need practice and time to develop those skills and to understand how to do things when it comes to important life lessons, teaching moments, and defining moments. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you uh, five skills, five skills that you learn in family. There's five things that you kind of learn as, as a family uh, when it comes to parenting and God's design to experience his love and to learn how to love. It'll be on the, uh, uh, up on the screen for you. You might want to jot these down. There's five things. The first is simply this. How do I deal with how I feel? How do I deal with how I feel? How do I handle conflict? How do I grieve a loss? What values matter most? And how to set good habits. Now, let me quickly walk you through these five skills that you learn in family. The first is how do I deal with how I feel? It's all about emotions and feelings. In families, healthy families, they encourage this kind of growth where emotions and feelings are part of the conversation, where they recognize their feelings and name their feelings and own their feelings and express their feelings. This is something that Laura has been such a gift as my wife has been a gift to our family and, and to us as a unit because she's so good with emotions and feelings and understanding and she has helped all of us grow in this area. Understanding that feelings are important, emotions are important, they're part of how God has made us. This is so important that we learn this skill in family. The second is, how do I handle conflict? How do we handle conflict? This is really important. If kids, if we don't know how to compromise and how to communicate around what we're feeling and the expectations and what was discussed, as married couples, listen, you need to sometimes resolve conflict in front of your kids because it gives them a template and it gives them a healthy way to know how to do this. If mom and dad can resolve conflict, then I can do this as well. If you have a blow up or it's tense and you go back in the room and you figure it out and then you walk out to your kids and it's like, oh, everything is okay, they're gonna be thinking to themselves, what happened to the conflict? I know something's there. So if you can learn how to resolve that in front and work together, that's super helpful when it comes to conflict. A third one is how to grieve a loss. Kids need your help in how to grieve something. Um, how to grieve the death of a pet. How to grieve a death of a grandparent. How to work through grief. Our culture and society does not like grief. We don't like to deal with things. Why? Because we're so burdened and so much on us that we try to run from that or suppress that. But learning how to grieve is really important. Letting your kids know that you're not always gonna win at everything is a healthy thing. You don't wanna set your kids up for failure later on in life because all they have done has been the shining star in their childhood. Learning that they're gonna fall down, that they're gonna hit bumps in the road, that things aren't gonna happen. You're not gonna make the team. You're not gonna be the greatest singing voice. Like as adults, we need to show our kids that that's just a reality of life. In fact, there's a great verse that you can meditate on, some wisdom out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, for though the righteous fall seven times, how many times? 
they rise again. Psychologists call this resiliency. It's one of the dominant factors of kids being healthy and being able to achieve. Some of our greatest athletes, some of our greatest business heroes, some of our greatest presidents, some people who are impacting the world around us, they're no smarter or better than us. They've just learned that you're gonna fall down multiple times, but can you be resilient? And can you get back up and continue forward under the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of God's word to live out your passion? and destiny under his good sight and guidance. Have to be resilient. You learn that. You learn that in family. And then the, the last, uh, the, uh, the last uh, two, uh, number four, the skill is what values matter most. Kids learn what is important and what is not important in family. And the world around us today has three values. You know those values? Sex, salary, and status. It's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And we as parents and grandparents and volunteers, as we're in Pathways Kids, Pathways Students, we have to help them to understand the biblical values. Like sex isn't everything, it's in, to be enjoyed in a marriage relationship. Like salary just don't work for money, have meaning and a purpose have a calling, have a mission. Make sure you know who you're serving. Who's your master? Is it God or is it money? These kinds of conversations and value setting among our families are really healthy. We encourage this kind of growth. Healthy families encourage growth. And finally, they set good habits because habits form character and character forms individuals, kids and teenagers, and they become those kinds of people, those arrows go beyond you. Remember we talked about that last week? They leave a legacy if we're setting those kinds of values. And these are the same kind of values that we need to have, habits that we need to have as adults, don't we? We need to continue to hone and to learn those skills. Now, now you might say, Adam, that's really good, um, but uh, how do we actually do this? Okay, if you're taking notes, this would be really important to take these notes right here, right now. How do we actually encourage growth in our marriage and our families? You know, how do we do that? Well, we encourage growth. I'm gonna give you two ways that facilitates growth and then two ways that hinders growth. The first way to, to facilitate growth is through our examples. Our examples. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. After he washed the disciples' feet, he said this, now that I have done this for you, I've set an example, you go and do likewise. Parents, our examples speak volumes to our kids. Our kids will one day learn, learn that God has the heart of a father, or as the prophet Isaiah said, will learn that he is like a mothering hen. And I told you this last week, but I'm so convinced of it. It's simply this, that, that they're gonna learn and they're gonna have an easier way of, of going through their God grid if they see a healthy example of you or in spite of you, it will take an enormous amount of time to deconstruct the idea of God and put it back into place biblically. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. It's through our examples. The second way that we facilitate growth is through conversations, healthy conversations. Conversations that are beyond just, hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Everybody's good. I Me mean, as adults, as people, what was the highlight of your day? What, what, um, what did you learn? What are you learning? Hey, what was really hard 
for you this week? Those are great questions to begin to ask. As parents, we have to have conversations. Um, uh, there's a great passage of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Now teach this, impress this upon your children. Write these things on the door frames of your house. Hang them, bind them to your, to your head and around you. And then he talks about Moses gives us three ways under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to have significant conversations with our kids. At drive time, when we're driving, scripture says when we're walking, but when you're driving, at mealtime when you're eating, and then at bedtime when they're about to sleep. I learned the 23rd Psalm because one of my parents would just talk the 23rd Psalm over me at bedtime. These are when you can have great conversations with your kids, with your teenagers. You can have these kinds of conversations. You know, two ways to hinder growth. The first way is this, through criticism. When you criticize, when you're cynical, when you nag, listen, you know what you're doing? You're just highlighting and enunciating the poor behavior that you don't want. Rather flip it and promote the positive behavior. Because listen, parents, if you are always nagging your kid and highlighting what they're doing wrong, you know what's gonna end up happening? They're gonna say, fine, I'll show you how late I can be. Fine, I'll show you how lazy I can be. Fine, I'll show you how bad I can be. That's why scripture, dad, uh, scripture says this, the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter six, verse four, he says, fathers, do not exasperate your uh, children. Don't criticize them. Instead, bring them up. How? In the training and instruction of the Lord. Take on that idea of being like a coach and helping and supporting and equipping them in God's ways with his values. Take that on. Don't criticize. Second way to uh, hinder growth is by comparison. No one wins in comparison. Parents, never compare your kids to another child. I wish you were more like that family. Or I wish you could be more like your brother. Or, 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 or husbands and wives, never compare your spouse to another spouse. It's just not the way God wants it. God gave you, you your family so that you could experience his love and learn how to love in your specific family. Don't compare. That will hinder any kind of growth. All right, so uh, not only do families, not only do families, parents care and we care for ourselves, not only do awesome families have fun and not only do healthy families grow, but here's another thing. Uh, strong families, strong families are a part of a church. Strong families are a part of a church. You know, being a part of a church is really important for a family, really important, because it gives kids and it gives families, strong families create strong churches. They do. And strong families, regardless of where you're at in your family, what age or what has happened in your family, listen, there's a lot of dysfunction, a lot, I get it, sin and brokenness, but I also know that families are healing and being restored in God's sight, a part of a church family. There's power in that. There's, there's hope in that. Like, I think uh, when it comes to uh, churches, 
We have done ourselves a disservice. Now, if you're here today and you're new to faith or you're checking out faith, listen, we're so glad that you're here. You're our guest and we have designed a lot of our church with you in mind, knowing that we believe every single person matters to God. They're so close to him. And so we can just take a step toward him. He'll always reach out and love you. We're for you. But for those of us who have been believers for a while or or uh, uh, been walking in church, you know that especially in North America, there is a church culture, right? There's a church culture. And unfortunately, in our church culture today, we've created a lot of spiritual orphans. Uh, I like to call them bunny believers. They kind of hop from one church to the next church. They, They get offended or something happens or they like something here and they just hop. They hop, they hop, they hop from one church. And you know what? They never have any sense of identity, any sense of real community. They're not in it for the long haul. They're in it for the short-term gain. And they just kind of hop around and they have no sense of commitment and engagement. Strong families, they they get locked into a church and they say, you know what? God's gonna help us grow. And if there's something that's not working right at this church, we wanna give support and ideas and we wanna serve and we wanna be a part of the solution. We wanna be possibility-oriented kind of people. We don't wanna limit the work of God because we know that the work of God starts at the church. In fact, Ephesians 5, Paul says that Jesus gave himself up for the church. In other words, he died for the people of God to be called out from our world so that we could glorify God and bless others around us. Strong families are a part of a church. You know, one of the ways that we're gonna be strong as a church, we need some strong people. Next Saturday morning, we're doing a work day and we're gonna get dads and maybe they're teenagers or, you know, guys out here, women out here who want to clear shrubs and branches. You know, some of my best memories of church with the adults is when my dad would take me on a work day. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just want to put on my big boots and hang out with some guys who were drinking black coffee. And I would get like two donuts and then my dad would cut me off and we would just like do guy stuff. More or less for me, that means just don't get hurt, Adam, okay? But that was important for my growing up. That's how I got to see and experience church life. That's important for us. And so you can talk to uh, some of our volunteers out at Connect and and you could sign up for that, be a part. Because uh, being a part of a church, listen, there are some people who, you know the fastest growing segment of church today is one time a month attenders. They're not even engaged. Just kind of showing up and, you know, okay, I got this and, you know, whatever, I'll choose to go here, I won't go here, I have other priorities. And then when the storms of life hit, all of a sudden fear grips them and they're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm here, I've been here. Where are you? Now, because God is loving and merciful and kind and gracious, he comes, but he wants all of our hearts and our commitment to be a part of the one thing that he started before he left earth, and that was his church. That was his church. So, strong families are part of a church. Now, here's uh, the last, there's one more piece of this ring, and um, it's... uh, It's beyond church. 
It's a service. See, um, awesome families, they serve God by serving other people. Not just in the church, but outside of the church. There are some families that I know that family is so important to them that they almost think about it this way. Remember how I gave you the image of a raincoat when it comes to parents protecting their kids? I want you to have this image in your mind. Think of a globe. Think of the world around you. Sometimes family can get, families can get so insular that it just becomes us four and no more. There's nothing broader beyond that says average families can just be selfish families. And good families can protect and provide and do all those things on this target and relationships and couples, but they just become so selfish and inward focused that they forget that God has planted them on this earth to be his light, to be his salt, to show his goodness to other people around them. And awesome families do this. Listen to Jesus's words in Matthew chapter five. He says this, in the same way, brothers and sisters, let your light shine before who? Before other people. Like you're creating this family that has care and fun and growth. You're part of a church family. You're serving in your church family. But then you, you walk out into the world around you. And as a family, you let your good deeds, your good deeds show other people so that they can see your God and glorify him in heaven. Do you know, you might be the only Bible that some people read. You might be the only example of Jesus Christ that some people see. They have a million examples how the church has let them down or they have wounds or hurts or whatever. But if they could meet somebody like you, what would that be like? If they could see your family, what would that be like? Your good deeds. I know so many people are like, man, I want to invite somebody to church or I'm praying or I'm trying to have these conversations and conversations and invitations are important. But you know what? Sometimes just walking the walk and doing the good deeds, God will use those to open up a heart and a mind to Jesus Christ. We can be a part of that as families. We can be a part of that. So there's a Two ways, uh, practical ways that I want to help you with that. Before I do, though, I want to give you an example from our family. Uh, Laura, for the last, I don't know, year or two, um, she's been taking up watercoloring, and she's really good at it. Um, I love when she's in her little area and doing watercoloring, and she's got about six glasses out, and she's doing all the watercoloring. And a couple weeks ago, I I walked um, into our house, and she makes bookmarks, and they're really pretty. And she makes these bookmarks, and I said, uh, what, are you, what, what are you doing? Who are you send those to? Well, she made um, bookmarks for some kids who have been a part of our lives. For many of you know that volleyball is a big deal in our family. And so Laura had this idea that she wanted to, to serve God by, by serving others and show his love. So what she did was she was making bookmarks for all the seniors who had graduated last year. Some live in Tennessee, some are, you know, in, uh, one's in Colorado, one's in Florida, and she was writing little personal handwritten notes to them and mailing these watercolored bookmarks to these girls. And I walked away from that, and I was inspired. I was like, man, my wife is awesome. Like, this, she would do that. And then a couple weeks uh, later, we, we got a letter in the mail from one of these kids, 
And it was so cool just to read those words. It just filled us. And it was a blessing because we were, well, not we, Laura was serving God by serving others. And you know what? We can do that as families. We can look at the world around us here at Pathways. We've given you two opportunities in the next several weeks to do that as a church family. Out in the lobby today, we're launching our Operation Christmas Child. It's a way for kids who might not experience a Christmas to have a Christmas. We're gonna fill those boxes and we're gonna send those across seas through Samaritan's Purse so that a kid, a child, can hear the gospel, open up, have literature, and also some presents. You can talk to Jenna Mulder, Jenna and Nathan Mulder out at the lobby today. They have a goal. Jenna has a goal as the team lead. She said, Pastor Adam, we did about 455 boxes last year. I believe that God wants us to do 700 boxes this year. I'm like, awesome, let's do it. Let's go. Like, and you know what's so cool after first service? Um, Jenna told me that people in our church actually already brought stuff to stuff boxes today. Like they were already on it. I'm like, I love our people. Like, we're, we're possibility-oriented. Let's do it. And not only do we want to do things overseas, but we want to do things right here in the Fox Valley. That's why we partner with eight local partners, people like Vita and, and Freedom Center Food Pantry and Fox Valley Jail Ministry. Well, one of the things that we do really well is that we give financially. We support them on a quarterly basis, and that's a blessing. But one thing that God has laid on my heart, one thing that I said to our missions team is, I want more engagement with our hands. In fact, we've gotten feedback from families. We need family opportunities to serve together. That's why so many people love Project Feed More in April when we do like 100,000 meals. We pack those meals and kids are with their parents. Well, we need more of those opportunities, Pastor Adam. And so here's what we're launching. It's called Second Saturday. Second Saturday begins in November, November 12th. And families, we're going to come together right here in the lobby. And our team lead, Darian Gibbs, Darian and Matt are going to be here. And, and we're going to make blankets together. Well, who are the blankets going to go to? Well, we're going to send those off to one of our local partners, to Damascus Road Ministries. And what they do is they rescue people from sex trafficking. But those individuals need blankets. And so we're going to come together as families of our church, and we're going to serve God by serving other people. Now, all of that information is on our mobile app. You can check that out. You can, you can go and talk to somebody at Connect, talk to the molders, but serve God by serving other people. Now, there's one more part of the target, and then we'll wrap up. What's the last part of the target? Right in the middle, what's it called? A bullseye. Bullseye. Have you ever hit a bullseye? Do you know that feeling? I mean, it could be with a Nerf gun, but if you hit the bullseye, you're like, I am, I'm bomb, I'm so good. You hit the bullseye, doesn't feel good. I want every family and every person at Pathways Church to hit the bullseye. I, I'm praying that we would be families and married individuals, couples, and students, and kids. Kids, I want kids, I want students, I want every person a part of it. I want you, you're watching online, and maybe you're in South Carolina, or you're in New Mexico, and you're watching this, you're gonna hear it later on, and you're thinking, I want every single person a part of Pathways to consistently hit the bullseye. I want families that are 
bullseye families. You say, Adam, what's the bullseye? Well, that's what I'm gonna talk about next weekend. You have to come back. Because I wanna talk about hitting the bullseye. But as we wrap this up, to get closer to the bullseye, and as we kind of get in on this a little bit more, narrow the focus. Here's what I've come to realize, that awesome families obviously are not perfect families. Awesome families are intentional families. Average families are kind of unintentional and haphazard. You can take this into any area of life. They're intentional in how they make choices around their time and priorities, their service, their finances, their heart, their prayers. They're intentional. You know, there's this uh, passage in scripture story when Joshua takes the leadership mantle from Moses and, and in the book of Joshua, he has to stand up and he has to cast a vision for his family. And he says this to the nation of Israel. He said, listen, there's gonna be lots of gods that we're gonna go into the promised land and God has a mission for us, but we had to be faithful to him. And then he says, I believe it's in uh, chapter 24. He says, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He just lays it out. It's a statement of intention. And my challenge to you this weekend is that you can do that. You can make an intentional choice and say, as for me and my house, regardless of where you are, who you are, what your family looks like, you can say from this moment, I'm, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna serve the Lord. As we close up service today, there are a couple things that I wanna invite you to be a part of. If you missed last week and you have a, a prayer request and you wanna write a prayer request down, then there's these arrows that are in the seat pocket in front of you. You can fill out a prayer request. If you were here last week and maybe you filled out a prayer request or you have another one, please feel free to do that. But the second option for you is that maybe you feel like God is speaking to you about one of these areas, care or fun or growth or church or service. And, and uh, or maybe you're just anticipating and you're like, man, I wanna know what the bullseye is. You just write kind of one of these down. And at the end of service today, uh, you can go ahead and, and post those, just pin those up on the targets all around our auditorium. So why don't you go ahead and grab that arrow in front of you and you just kind of pause and bow your head. There's some pens there. And I, I want you to just take a moment and go in with God. Take some time and listen to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. Go ahead and just bow and quiet yourself. How would the Holy Spirit be speaking to you? Now, for some of you, you might be here and you're thinking, you know, Adam, when you referenced that person or people who are not really familiar with faith or not a living relationship anyways, you kind of known religion maybe, or maybe you've never stepped foot in a church and today somebody invited you, you came. 
and you feel like the Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart, you feel inside of you that there's, wow, that's God. He loves you. And he wants you to know him. And so if you're here today, if you're watching online and you want to turn your life over to Jesus Christ, you want to say, I want you to lead me and love me and guide me and be my Lord and Savior, then you can just type that in the chat box, tell somebody the room that you're in and just say, hey, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Best decision you'll ever make. If you're in the room today and you want to make that commitment, that decision, would you just lift up your hand in this moment and then I want to acknowledge you and you can put it right back down. Anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I see your hand. Yes, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Wow. Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. So here's what you do. You pray a prayer from your heart and you ask Jesus to come into your life. And Jesus came to earth to die on a cross for you because you couldn't get to God through your righteousness, through your perfection, because none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's perfection. And so God decided to send his one and only son to pay your debt, your sin debt on the cross. And so when you place your faith in Jesus and you say, I'm trusting you, that you're my Lord and Savior, then Jesus comes in your life and he places his spirit inside of you so that you can follow him. So could we pray this together, full voice as one church family? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. By faith, I receive you as my savior. Come into my life and change me for your glory so that I can grow and love and live like you. Now place your Holy Spirit inside of me to follow you in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate individuals today? Can we celebrate individuals today?